The reading for today comes from Matthew 17, 1 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here, if you wish. I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud, a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. Here ends the reading, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I was a novice volunteer Sunday school teacher, teaching in a three-year-old classroom. And as I remember this particular Sunday, I was a last-minute substitute. So I walked in, I picked up the leader guidebook, ready to save the day and teach this handful of precious children about Jesus. They sat patiently in a circle, which was surprising. And they listened to me read. And as I got to the end of the Bible story, we just stared at one another. I remember their faces, perplexed, confused, concerned about me, because I had nothing to say, nothing to offer at the end of that story. One child finally said, can we just play with the blocks? Thrilled to follow their lead, I suggested we absolutely play with the blocks. Let's build a mountain, I encouraged. The lesson that Sunday was the text that we just heard Don read from Matthew, the transfiguration. And for three-year-olds, and not being fully aware of the story myself, I had nothing to offer but building a mountain out of blocks. When I dive into the story today, I wonder the same thing when I hear those words from Matthew. How do you talk about the scripture to grown-ups, let alone three-year-olds? Maybe we could just build a mountain out of blocks together. Because talking about a fully glowing Jesus, with Moses and Elijah, the voice of God, and a directive to not talk about this until later, building with blocks seems much safer. But here we are. And with some more preparation than I had on that day, I believe and trust that we can find ourselves in this remarkable, sacred experience. Will you pray with me? God, you are present with us. May the words and stories from sacred scripture bring us new hope today. Be with us as we hear your word and do our best to find our way to follow you. Amen. We are met with Jesus shining like the sun, clothes filled with light, visions of Moses and Elijah with him, the story of the transfiguration, the metamorphosis of Jesus on a mountain. But it didn't just randomly happen. 
It followed in a series of events that were bringing the disciples closer and closer to an understanding of what would happen to Jesus in the days to come. Jesus was telling them that he would suffer and die and live again. And as we can imagine, in the face of hearing terrible, incomprehensible news from the dearest of friends that we love, the disciples struggled with this information. They didn't want to hear it. They simply could not believe it. It's not going to happen because God would not let that happen, Peter says to Jesus. Jesus tells them, you must pick up your cross and follow me. Peter, who had just prior to this answered Jesus' question of, who do you say that I am with the response, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded that Peter would be the rock upon which he would build the church. It's all so confusing. These conversations and experiences are outlined in Matthew. And as our scripture passage for today begins, we learn that six days have passed since these conversations have been going on. And Jesus asked Peter and the brother James and John to go on a hike with them. And I can imagine that is wonderful news. And they head up a mountain. Now in the Bible, it's fair to say that big things happen on mountains. Epiphanies of all sorts, the Ten Commandments, the Sermon on the Mount that we heard last week, we all have our mountaintop experiences. And if I put my imagination to work and think about what these disciples might be thinking and experiencing as Jesus calls to them, come on, let's go. I'm still confused. Especially after these six days of trying to understand the seemingly tragic news that Jesus has shared. The call to pick up a cross, what does that mean? I'm uncertain, but willing to follow Jesus up that mountain. Off we go. Having no idea what to expect, but knowing how fortunate we are to be in the presence of Jesus. And knowing that at any moment, something unexpected can happen. I was never much of a stargazer as a child. I had friends who could name all the constellations and find them in the sky. I had a hard time doing that. Even at the planetarium when the night sky was shown and the presenter told us to look for the three stars and the triangle and the square, and that's where you'll see this particular constellation. It was never until the final actual drawing of the constellation was overlaid on the sky that I knew what I was looking at. It was always a moment of, oh, that was there all along. How did I miss it again? But the one thing I could do was spot meteorites, or what we called the falling stars. It didn't happen often, but when we found ourselves out in the country on a dark night with the huge skies of West Texas above us, the falling stars were unmistakable. Simple, like flares falling out of the sky. Easily identifiable and amazing to think about. On a Girl Scout camping trip, I remember a guide helping us look for them and pointed them out so that we all could recognize them. They were far away and somewhat infrequent, but beautiful. My family spent a summer vacation on the coast of Oregon some years ago. 
And we just happened to learn that we were there at the exact sign time that the Perseid meteor shower were most visible. I didn't know anything about this astronomical event, but why not see what it was all about? So the kids and I ventured out that evening as the sun went down and the sky was becoming dark. We laid blankets out in the yard. We could hear the ocean rolling down below us, and we stared at the stars. I would love to say that this was a picture-perfect moment, my children and I lying under the stars. But the truth is, it was a little chilly. Kids were running back and forth getting coats. Lying on a blanket on the lumpy ground was not conducive to long periods of stillness and waiting. There was talk of bears in the woods and what's that noise over there or what was that? Did you see that? I'm not sure. But we persisted. And slowly, we started to see what I remember watching as a child, those falling stars, simple, small. It was not the largest meteor shower show that I had expected, but I didn't really know what to expect. So we stayed and continued to decipher the falling meteorites from the stars that were actually staying in place. And it was neat. It wasn't what I expected. We ventured to stay for just a few more minutes before heading in. It got quiet and still. And out of nowhere, a spray of light came from the sky over our heads with such force that you could hear it before you could see it. It seemed so close to us that had we been standing, it would have hit us. It was blindingly bright and moving so fast. We screamed, did you see that? What was that? We looked around to make sure that no one was shooting fireworks off from afar. It was silent. Then they began. Giant streaks of light flying through the sky. It was spectacular. It was unexpected. And to this day, my description of it does not do it justice. The magnificence of the moment, the surprise, the unexpected, the question of did that just happen? The moment shared with my children will never be the same again. What was that? I imagine as the disciples walked up the mountain with Jesus, they had simple expectations too. Maybe to continue the complex conversation that was happening about the pain Jesus would suffer. What does it mean to follow the cross? Maybe to hear the words from Jesus in a new way that made sense this time, because after six days, it still didn't make any sense. But they followed. And as they reached the pinnacle of the mountain, alone with their friend Jesus, he changed. It doesn't appear that there was any warning given. No, watch this or look over there for a second while I do something. No. Jesus changed. A metamorphosis in front of them. Jesus was completely changed. His face was shining like the sun. His clothes became white as light. And if that was not enough to take in, visions of Moses and Elijah appear next to him. Prophets who were both rejected by people and redeemed by God. And they're having a conversation with Jesus. If I were there, I'd be looking into the eyes of my friends, asking, pleading, do you see that? 
Do you see what I'm seeing? Can this be? This is certainly not what I expected. The moment is so real for Peter that he scrambles to build shelters for the visions before him. As if they're going to be here for a while, on top of this mountain. And perhaps if we remember the pain of the future for Jesus that they were wrestling with, it makes perfect sense that Peter would scramble to make a place for them to stay safe up on that mountain. But we're told that before Peter could even finish his thought, a cloud, reminiscent of the cloud that led Moses and the Israelites, and that appeared at Jesus' baptism, appeared over them, and that familiar voice came calling, This is my son, and I am pleased with him. Listen to him. And with that, the disciples hit the ground in fear. Can you blame them? The unexpected moment in front of them confirmed Jesus' identity as divine and gave them eyes to see God's light and the chaos to come. God was working in the blinding light. God was there. Jesus was divine. Listen to him. The next thing the disciples know, Jesus is touching them. This is real. You are here and so am I. Get up. Don't be afraid. And when they did, it was just Jesus, their friend, standing there. Nothing had changed. Yet everything, everything had changed. Jesus is divine. The story that will unfold ahead of them is made clearer. And they start back down the mountain with the caveat from Jesus to not talk about this until the resurrection. I imagine they might have walked down that, that mountain in stunned silence. They probably didn't need a warning to not talk about what they had seen. It was undeniable the divinity of their friend and teacher. And everything had just changed so much. Sacred moments are like that. Moments of unexpected grace. Moments that can never be defined in words and recall the true emotion and power of the experience. If the power of, shock, of a shocking meteor flying overhead cannot be recalled in words, how can we ever dream of recounting the power of recognizing divine moments in our everyday lives? What do we do with these experiences? The disciples stay quiet as, as requested, but we know of the resurrection. We do not have to be silent when we experience the divine moments of grace. We know the rest of the story. We trust in the hope of sacred moments. What are these sacred moments? The moments that can only be explained with feeling and emotion. The moments that are so profound we scratch our heads and wonder if it really is happening. Sacred moments are those that we return to and feel the full power of emotion over and over again by recalling the memory. Sacred moments allow us to put our hands on the divine, to feel the love of God in the unexpected times. These are moments of joy, the laugh of a child, the power of the ocean, 
the connection with a friend that is so real it cannot be explained. The sharing of experiences that bring us to our core selves when we know completely that we are children of God and filled with God's love. These sacred moments are painful. The moments just before a loved one passes from this earth into life everlasting. The moments when life takes a sharp and painful turn and yet you know that God's presence is there. The diagnosis that comes out of nowhere, the relationship that breaks and hurts so profoundly that there are no words, only feelings. And God is in the midst of it all with a voice saying, listen to me, do not be afraid, I am here. So what do we do? We pay attention. We are intentional about recognizing the presence of God in the everyday moments. We connect with friends in vulnerable and meaningful ways. We ask our children, where did you see God today? And we follow their lead when they ask to build with blocks. We ask ourselves the same question, where did I see God today? And when we're not sure that what we're experiencing is really happening, but we know it's sacred, we welcome it. Recognizing that truly following Jesus is never what we expect. Business as usual is no longer possible after you have seen the vision of God's love revealed in Jesus Christ. It seems that a life lived fully embracing the love and hope freely given to us would make for an easy journey up and down the mountain. But it doesn't. But God is still there, walking with us all along the way, reconciling and redeeming our lives with transforming love and grace. And we may never be able to explain the story of the transfiguration or even our own sacred moments with words. But we can trust in the power of God through Jesus Christ to make all things new and change us through grace and love.
Jesus knew that we would need a place to remember him, a place to come with all of our hopes, all of our doubts, all of the things that we take in as we follow Christ. And so he gave us this simple meal, simple bread, simple cup. And we know that when we come to this table, we find Jesus. It might be the sun shining, fully glowing Jesus. It might be the Jesus that walks along the side of the road with friends. It might be the Jesus that's teaching or healing. But we find Jesus at this table. And when we find Jesus, we have the opportunity to join in the work that is happening in this world of sharing Christ's love. We remember that on the night that Jesus gathered with his disciples, he took the bread, he blessed it, and broke it, and said to them, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat, and when you do so, remember me. The same way he took the cup, blessed it and poured it out for them saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, given for all. Take and drink, and when you do so, remember me. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come to this table to honor your Son, Jesus Christ, who so lovingly gave his life for us. Just as all are welcome at your table, we welcome all as well to share our table. As we partake of this bread and cup, we pray you would bless it and nourish our bodies and minds. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.